0: On this episode of Cannabis Business Minds, we talk about how to make your cannabis business more compliant. My name is Simone Simaluka radzins and I'm the host of your show. I've been working in the cannabis industry for a few years, and I originally came from an international consulting background. My expertise, it's in business strategy, risk management, and internal process improvement. I know a little thing about 280 as well. Uh, people a lot of times ask me, what is it that you do? And short story... I help companies become better. I wanted to create this podcast, though, specifically for one reason and one reason alone. I wanted to provide the cannabis business community and those that are looking to get into this industry with a quick, easy, and hopefully entertaining podcast that will help them or you understand the complexities and resources available in the industry. Now let's get to the show. Cannabis sales were $5.7 billion in 2015. Cannabis industry is valued at $22.8 billion by 2020. In 1996, there wasn't a single dispensary in the U.S. In 2016, there are 25 states that have legalized medical marijuana. Welcome to the Cannabis Business Minds podcast, where you gain insight from business leaders in the cannabis industry to help take your business to the next level. Cannabis Business Minds, where you gain insight from business leaders in the cannabis industry to help take your business to the next level. You can find more free content to help your business online at calagia.com. Our guest on today's show is Jenny Germano. I first met Jenny in DC this spring during the NCIA lobby days. We were lobbying on Capitol Hill for banking reform and 280E reform. And immediately, I was just impressed with Jenny's knowledge, her insight, and, and what she's done in the cannabis community. She's been in it for a while, more than a while. She's been in it since 2009 uh, in Colorado. She services clients in Colorado as well as other states. And I mean, her tenure is impressive. She started from the ground up and worked her way all the way up to managing as the director of operations, uh, a multi million dollar licensing facility. In 2015, she started out on her own, and she founded ICS Consulting Service. Her company is a consulting firm, and they specialize in license operations compliance, which is huge. You're going to see that in this show, cannabis startup assistance, and a lot more. So if you can't guess it already, the theme of the show is cannabis compliance, and I'm pleased to have Jenny Germano on our show. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So that was just such a brief intro of of what you've done about, you know, your role in the industry. Can you give a little bit more background of why did you get started in the industry? Uh, and, and since 2009, like, what have you been actually doing to get you to this position to open up this firm?
1: Uh, well, the reason I got into the industry is I was actually looking for a new career because my background before i came into the industry is i worked in restaurants hotels and catering so i basically worked in the food service industry and so basically when they when all the dispensaries started popping up here in colorado in like early 2008 2009 i started going around and knocking on doors trying to get in trying to get into the industry and trying to figure out how to get in the industry. And one of the issues that I was running into in the early days was I didn't have the experience. I didn't have butt tending experience. And so I thought to myself, Well how do I get butt tending experience if this is a brand new industry? So finally I mm-hmm. went to a place and just said, look, I'll work for free. I'll literally work for three for free. And I worked three other jobs on top of working in a dispensary for free. And then finally from there, I was able to um, get into a paying job into a dispensary. And then I just worked my way up the ladder and I basically worked in um, six other dispensaries, you know, the wow. last couple years and I've done everything from being a trim manager to rolling joints all day, to bud tending, uh, to do an administrative task where I was just a receptionist. And then I've done all types of manager roles um, Wow! All the way up to general manager and uh, director of operations of a very large retail facility that went operational wow. in 2014, uh, and then I did a little consulting on the side for a couple other firms, and then in 2015, I started my own business because I realized um, a, a lot of the com- a lot of the companies out there their prices were really high were really high priced for the owners, and one of the biggest complaints that I hear from owners is they get Um, They get hit with huge bills. A lot of people think a lot of these dispensaries have a lot of money, and that's not always the case. Some of these dispensaries don't have a lot of money, and they're actually mom-and-pop shops. So I decided to start my business and kind of put out a more affordable compliance audit where I just do like a flat rate, and I just come in and help audit uh, their business basically.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. So since 2009 to, you know, we're in 2016, like what are the biggest things that you've seen? I mean, cause you know, I feel like you've seen literally all aspects of this industry from like literally rolling joints now to going into these companies and assessing like how they're doing. Like Colorado, I think is the pioneer. i mean, California. We're, we're trying to figure this out. We're just about to regulate medical. It's like you've, you've started 2009, right? And then 2012, everything passes in a recreational standpoint. How was the shift? I mean, like from 2009 in, in, until 2014, how was compliance? And then did it change a lot in 2014 or is it now finally picking up?
1: You know, it's it's actually changed a lot, actually, before they legalized um, A64, which is recreational adult use, uh, mm-hmm. there was an, a, a company, um, the department of revenue created, uh, the MED, the marijuana and okay. division, uh, in 2011, they were born. And then we had these regulations that we had to follow previous before the MED came on board. We really oh. didn't have too much regulation uh, around rules and regs that we were supposed to follow in the dispensaries. And, uh, back then we referred to those days as the wild, wild west, um, so it's really relatable what a lot of other states are going through that don't have rules and regulations, and all of a And now, okay, we're going to be regulated. So we were already being regulated before we legalized recreational, and it was people were still kind of learning and trying to get educated. But then when we legalized recreational, a, a lot more rules came in, and a lot tighter regulation became became. And then the MED were actually out and really enforcing these rules. Uh, because it was now recreational and it wasn't just focused on medical patients. And, yeah. I, and I've definitely seen a lot of changes I, from, you know, 2011 to where now or like 2014. Um, a lot of people were out of compliance back in those days because people really didn't understand the rules and what was going on and everyone was still in a yeah. learning state. And the MED was okay because they were still educating and teaching, uh, but now where we are in the state is we are in a state of enforcement. Uh, and I would have to say that um, as far as compliance, I believe more and more facilities are the most compliant I've seen um, since I came oh. on board because I had a client recently tell me, Jenny, we're no longer in the business of selling you know, marijuana, we're in the business of compliance. And that's where it's at. We have to be compliant in order to have a successful business.
0: Yeah. No, I was at the the NCAA Oakland conference and they mentioned, somebody mentioned on like a keynote, it's about 30 to 40 percent That cannabis businesses will be spending on types of compliance, legal, accounting, you know, compliance consultants. I mean, it's a huge chunk of change. So when you talk about compliance, like I work in compliance as well. And there's I mean, how do you define compliance for the people who are like, okay, I'm in cannabis. I need to be compliant. But what does that even mean to me? I mean, does it differ for if you're a grower or a processor or a retailer, like, can you explain a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, for me, I think it's all the same. I mean, compliance is compliance. You have a set of rules that have been set, for mm-hmm. you, and you need to follow them the best to your ability, uh, and it's the same for everyone, whether you're a grower or you're a store operator or you're a production facility making edibles or concentrates. Everybody has their own specific set of rules. Uh, we mm-hmm. all have know pretty much the same standard rules that we have to follow, but maybe a production facility has specific rules regarding their labeling you know the dispensary has specific rules regarding packaging and and their labeling so uh, it's 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 the same across the board, but then when you get in specifically you know for the for each license, it tends to be a little bit different
0: mm-hmm more tailored okay more tailored so then what do you guys do? So for I, for your consulting company, what is it exactly that you are tailoring and helping these guys stay compliant with? Like, can you talk a little bit about your service offerings? You have, you know, I think when I was checking your website, you have about six, like you have startups, you help do standard operating procedures. Can you let people know like what, what are those and why is it important for somebody to have the standard operating procedures?
1: Yeah. Um, for right now, I basically use a compliance checklist that I've put together, and that compliance checklist is uh, tailored to each specific license, uh, whether oh, cool. it's a production facility or a storefront or a grow facility. And basically, I, you know, I go in and I read the rules, and I take all the information from the rules, and I create these comprehensive checklists. So that's what I use to go in and do my auditing I also oh cool. I also use a compliance software out there called Canaregs. I'm not sure if anyone listening has heard of Canaregs. It's a fabulous software. I really love it. It has everything at my fingertips, so I don't have to constantly look up stuff in random places. It has everything right there in the software for me. So those are the two things that I use that help me with my audits. And as far as like the other services, um, SOPs are really important. It's actually required in the rules and regs to actually have. Standard operating procedures. Not on the dispensary side, but for production facilities and grow facilities, they are required to have their standard operating procedures documented. And then that's something that's really important because. If you have new employees coming in or there's an emergency situation, for me, having procedures available is really important so you can empower your employees to know how all your processes Mm -hmm. work. Because we all know employees do come and go, so it's important to have those processes documented so everyone can be on the same page.
0: So do you do like standard operating procedures from like employees to um, if there's a fire to like counting inventory or like, I mean, how deep do you go to, for these standard operating procedures?
1: I can pretty much go as deep as somebody would need me to go. Um, just because of my background and my experience in running dispensaries, I can't tell you how many places I went oh, into wow. and had to write operating procedures because they weren't available um, or there just weren't even any procedures in place. And I had to go in and write those things. So you can go as deep as you want as far as like inventory control Um, on the grow side. You can do harvesting procedures, uh, how you trim a product, how you track a product, Uh, even though we have a seed to tracking um, sales system out here, which we call metric, which basically tracks the plant from a seedling or clone all the way up until it's harvested, you know, trimmed and cured, and then when it gets transferred to the store, it's then tracked through a package tag for then when it gets sold um, to the customer or patient. Um, but still, even though we have this system in place, you still have to have really good procedures and really good documentation of all the different types of harvesting procedures or trimming or whatnot that happens in your grow. And also in your store, you have to also document your inventory, even though your inventory yeah. is in the software.
0: Yeah. And I like that you do you I feel like you almost do like this full circle thing. It's like you help develop these procedures, but then you go and audit them because I think the biggest thing that I've seen with clients is that everyone's like, Oh, okay, I'm gonna document this, it's gonna be perfect and then nobody follows it. Mm. Right. And it's like, okay, well if you don't follow it, then it you know, if you're audited, if it's either by you as somebody internal or by the MED, then You want to pass that audit. So I like that you do a lot of the audits as well. Well,
1: implementation is very important, and I can Mm -hmm. do that as well for people because I've been a manager for so long. It's easy for me to go in and implement something with employees. A lot of the times the owners or the managers um, don't want that, and they want someone else to come in because maybe it might get their employees to hear better by having a complete stranger coming in and saying, Hey, look, this is really important. These rules are really important. Here's what, here's what is at risk, not only for your job, but for the owner. These are the things that are at risk. And I think sometimes that's, it's, um, it's really good for, uh, employees to hear that from an outside person who they see every day.
0: Yeah. 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 It's kind of like, Hey, I kind of know what's going on. Well, what do you think, I mean, have you worked at all with anybody who's gone through an MED audit? Like, what do those guys look for? Is it, do they go literally against the entire rule book and test against that or i have never actually experienced myself an audit through one of the regulatory bodies
1: well i've been through several audits when i was at a dispensary um i have not been through an audit with any of my clients they i'm not actually physically there when they've been audited but when they have been audited they've passed their audits um some of the audits i do um i'll come in um My one audit that I do where I come in and it's about education and training Mm -hmm. people to understand the rules and why they have to have things a particular way in their licensed facility. But then I perform a second audit, which I can come in and basically, you know, the friendly – Jenny hat comes off and now I'm going to, now I'm going (laughs) to do an inspection where, you know, it's no laughing matter. I'm completely serious and I'm not going to educate you and I'm here to test you. I'm here to test you to see how you're going to handle an inspection because when the MED comes in, they're not your friend. They're there to audit you. They're there to find out if you're following the rules and basically they have their own checklist. They have a really simple checklist they follow, but the problem is if you start coming out of compliance within that checklist, they start going deeper and deep. things. Oh. they can always look for whatever they want because, you know, the rules are so vast. There's so many rules, but they do have a specific checklist. They come in and they um, they update it once a year and they come into your facility and they go from that checklist. So I know with each year that I've been through an audit, the checklist always change because they give you a carbon copy of your mm-hmm. audit and what. Most of the time, it has, you know, please get these things um, fixed in the next three weeks, and we'll be back in three weeks to make sure that you, you fixed it. Um, obviously, if you have serious, serious violations, you could get put on administrative hold or have to have an administrative hearing through the MED in order to see what's going to happen with your license.
0: Oh, wow. How long do those audits typically last? Like, if I mean, so is it that, you know, if I'm in Colorado, I could have a knock on my door at my facility and it's the MED, or they're like, hey, we're going to come and schedule an audit for this day is it which one It's really it's Volt? William
1: honestly it's it's both they're different they wow. I, mean, I have had an audit with the ME last 30 minutes and that but that I was really organized you know I created compliance binders I had everything ready for them but if you're in a facility where you don't have everything all in one spot for them and you have to kind of you know go and figure out where all the information is that they want, it's going to take longer. And also, if they run into issues, it's going to take longer because now they're going to start digging deeper and they're going to start looking more and start asking more questions. So, I mean, they can last as long as an hour to an hour and a half. or Like I said, I've had one that was just three minutes.
0: Oh, wow. That's like crazy. So what do you think the biggest misconception is about cannabis compliance because i th- we were talking about this in dc of how you know i think the industry is catching up to compliance uh, i think in colorado like you mentioned earlier you guys are so much farther ahead than we are in california like if you if i say compliance to somebody in california i don't I, it depends who i'm talking to but the majority of people are not going to feel i think the same way as you and i about compliance so oh, yeah. From your like at all, right? And so, it's what's a your? Word. Ex- it's like, oh my god! Compliance I'm, and I'm, audit. I'm, I'm always is so, for people mm-hmm. that they want to
1: run from you when you say the word.
0: Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's the biggest misconception about it—that it's that people think it's a bad thing. Well, I think if you're
1: educated and knowledgeable, and if and if you're and if you're an owner and you're so busy because you're you're working on the business and not in the business, yeah. because some owners a lot of these owners are entrepreneurs and they have multiple things going on and multiple businesses that they're building. It's good to have somebody solid on your team that understands regulation. So at least someone's on top of the regulatory part of running your business. I think the misconception is that, um, you know, that compliance is a scary thing, which, you know, obviously can be if you don't understand it. And if you're also, if you're breaking the rules, it can be scary because nobody wants their livelihood taken from them. And a lot of these dispensary owners, I mean, this is everything to them. They, a lot, they have families, they're married, they have kids. These are not drug dealers that are running Mm -hmm. businesses. These are real people and this is their real life. So, I mean, it's really, it's really important for them. But like I said, a lot of these owners have a lot going on. They're they're involved in multiple businesses, so uh, I I would you know always recommend to have somebody on your team that understands like a compliance officer. Um, have yeah. a compliance officer, you know, on your payroll, or even like an ex-MED agent. You know, a lot of people hire ex-MED agents and put them on their payroll to help with their compliance in their facility. I'm a compliance officer for a couple facilities. So it just really depends on, you know, what you're looking for. But I really think it starts with really educating the employees yeah. because they're on the front line. I mean, they're they're the face of your business.
0: Yeah, no that's that's a very good point. It's like the tone at the top. What do you think the number one and maybe it's through your experience is, is like the number one reason why people might fail in cannabis compliance?
1: Uh I would probably say lack of knowledge and lack of, under- lack, of knowledge. lack of understanding of the rules. It doesn't I'm not, it doesn't mean that they're not smart or intelligent people but not everyone is built to understand these rules and regulations so i just i think you know just the lack of understanding or interpretation of what they mean and also staying on top of the constant changes there are constant changes that are constantly going on in this industry and you need to stay on top of it um, or you could get nipped in the butt
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, we saw that in Oregon, actually. It's like at one moment you could have these event spaces where cannabis could be happening uh, and you could charge like an entrance fee and give away cannabis. And then I think just a few months ago, they're like, nope, this is not happening. And like, I mean, that's not even written in the rules anywhere under the OLCC guidelines. It was just like, oh, now we've thought about this just because it's I think it's so new. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's new. And, yeah, you know, we're, you know, as Colorado, even though we've been doing it for a while, we're still, we are still new at trying to figure things out. You know, yeah. I believe the government is doing the best they can. Um, and we have a lot of lobbyists in the state and, you know, and they're doing the best they can to get the rules changed. So it makes sense for a lot of these industry owners. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we talked about getting a compliance officer, staying on top of the rules. Can you think of anything else that if, you know, these listeners want to say, okay, I have my business right now, what can I do for myself as an owner to be more compliant? What do you think would be some steps that they could take? Well, first, make sure you have a great understanding
1: of the rules and regulations that are in your state. Um, secondly, yeah.
0: and even in your city, I feel like it's even your city. Like that's the weirdest thing. It's like you think it's the state, but then the cities can add in extra extra compliance, right? Yeah,
1: so the local license authority actually supersedes state. So your county can come and create the rules for instance, if they want you to be able to have your dispensary open to midnight, um you can you can have your dispensary open to midnight. Uh, If you're going to have, you know, in Boulder, they, you know, in Boulder County, they have specific rules just to Boulder that, that really don't happen in Denver. Um,
0: Wow. That's crazy. No, but that's, no, I I was going to say, well, what else can these guys know? Like for the listeners. So it's like, it's number one, like stay on top of what's going on.
1: Yeah. So I would say, you know, for me, documentation. So I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but. I believe documenting everything and having hard copies uh, is really really important of your procedures or your harvesting procedures and tracking everything um, because it shows you're being responsible uh, you have no problem sharing your information and you're um, you're being transparent I think the number one thing is to be transparent don't try to deceive don't try to hide anything and be as honest as you can and really try to follow yeah. the rules to the best of your knowledge. That's the thing, you know, when the MED comes in for an inspection, if you're really trying and you're putting the effort and you're you're making, you know, you're making all these adjustments to be compliant and you're doing the best that you can, and like you mess up or you mess up in the inventory tracking system and metric, and then you're transparent saying, Hey, I need help, I messed up, or you know, I reported the wrong thing or whatnot. Um they're 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 not going to come down on you hard. They're going to they're just going to be like, fix it. We give you this amount of time to fix it. They're not going to come in and shut you down. If you're going to blatantly, yep. if you're going to blatantly disregard the rules and consume on site and do all these things that break the rules and, and and don't actually follow the rules in the metric system, you know, you are at risk of getting your uh, license shut down and taken away.
0: Totally. No, I mean that makes sense. And then. If someone were to use you and your firm as a consulting service, like what could they expect to see? If they, let's say that they're like you know, op, let's say they're a California client, right, and they've they're like, okay, I want to get on board. What could they expect by working with you to see in their operations, like in thirty days, like in one month? What can you do for a company?
1: Well, basically, you know, depending on the state. It is. I would have to look and see, you know, what the compliance factors are that fall into that state, and then I would create a checklist because I would need to create something so I could come in and audit that facility, and then I would Mm -hmm. use all my knowledge and skills that I've learned in the Colorado industry and then come in and try to recreate, you know, that same kind of structure. So basically, I would create structure because to me, structure is the best way to get a business on track. You don't have structure you're going to be, it's going to be chaos and everything's going to be all over the place. So for me coming in and re, and creating a really strong structure for that business.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's like the biggest thing is it's from the finance side, it's like called the tone at the top and the internal control structure. And it's honestly, it's to me why businesses fail or why they succeed. And it's like, it has to do with your knowledge. It has to do with your people. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that solid framework, no matter what industry you're in, I mean, you add in cannabis and you add in all this regulation, it's even more important. But uh, you have to have that to be successful.
1: Truly, you do, and you have to have uh, a really good communication structure for mm-hmm. your employees. You really, you really need to work well with your employees. They need to be managed mm-hmm. properly. Uh, yeah, and there's there's a lot of turnover in some of these places because some of the some of the employees are mistreated and they're not, and they're not paid really well. And, you know, back in the day, when I was a manager, you were expected to do everything and you may, and you were $10 an hour and you were carrying around the weight of this compliance on your back, you know, people's yeah. livelihoods, um, and you were making $10 an hour and you, and you were, you know, not only in charge of your employees, but in charge of the whole entire compliance of that facility. Um, so for me, that's a lot of weight. So for me, it's, You know, it's really treating your employees well um, and just having a really good foundation and having really good procedures and rules set in place. A lot of these places that I've worked in didn't have like employee handbooks.
0: um, I think that's the biggest thing. So there were two in HR compliance. So do you remember, I don't know if you heard about it, like a few weeks ago, um, the facility in Sonoma got shut down. It was like an extraction facility. He was super compliant oh, and oh, it was through right. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was allegedly because a disgruntled employee. Yeah. And I think, and then there was another raid that happened in Southern California and um with MedWest, and allegedly it was a disgruntled employee who, you know, basically misled the, like the law enforcement to believe that this, Entity was out of compliance. And I think that that's such a good point that you mentioned. is like people need to nail down how they're treating their employees. But like when somebody is fired or terminated, you know, what is limited? How can that access be? All that kind of stuff. It's so important. Has that anything like that happened in Colorado? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, (laughs) well, okay. (laughs) Okay. What's one like? I always love to know like actual stories, you know, like, and we only have a few more minutes left of the podcast, but. Tell me, do you have like a success story and a fail story like of like something maybe wasn't one of your clients, but something that you read in the news and you're like, dude, they should have had some standard operating procedures or something like a crazy story like that. Or if you don't like what's one of your major success stories?
1: Um, I, you know, I remember reading an article about a company that, you know, there was a place that got shut down, Mm -hmm. um a couple months ago, which I'm not going to say their name, but they were um, just the owners. I just, they didn't understand the rules. They just didn't understand the rules and regulations yep. and they weren't doing properly in their metric, you know, and they got shut down and it just, I just kind of felt bad for them. Cause I understand that these rules can be really overwhelming, yep. um, especially for people um, who started back in the old days Um, who really, you know, weren't working in regulation, some of these mom and pop shops that are having to adjust, um, to, you know, following regulation. um, I would, for me, success stories is when I can come in and and train a manager an employee clients and they no longer need me. I'm not here. I don't want people attached to me for the rest of their lives. Um, Your
0: coach, your guidance, your consulting. yeah.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I, you know, I'm here just to help people who need me for as long as they need me, but I want to empower my clients to be able to, you know, rely on themselves or at least for me to come in and train their manager uh, on compliance so they can have that manager take over the compliance portion. So for me, that's a success story is when a client is you know, doing really well and passing all their inspections. And then I come in and train their manager and they no longer. Yeah, no,
0: that's huge. Okay, so two more questions. So you own your own business and you also give up startup advice. What do you think is like the number one thing that you've learned that you would advise people that are just like, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself running their own business? Like what now that you've done this, what's one thing that you wish you had known? Maybe, you know, in 2015 when you started this?
1: Oh, the, um, that I would have to learn and teach myself how to do everything. Because as a startup, I, I had to learn how to do everything. I had to learn to build my own website. I had to read a bunch of books I had to literally educate myself on how to run my business. Luckily I worked for a bunch of other businesses and, and I worked for a couple other startups. So I, 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 I learned from other people's mistakes um, and you know, I heard, I think, I can't remember exactly where I saw this, but I remember, I think it might've been honestly on shark tank. I really love shark tank. Cause I, wa- I love watching, um, what people are doing in the business yep. world. And it was actually called after the beyond the tank. And this woman said, you know, I could fill a whole book with mistakes on how many mistakes I've made in my business. But to me, I, you know, mistakes, that's where I learn the most. And that's, and and I use my mistakes To guide me on the right path. It's just going, oh, cool. This is just showing me that I need to go into another direction. And so I've, you know, I've learned from my mistakes. I've learned from other people's mistakes. Um, yeah, so for me, it was just basically realizing, oh, my gosh, look at all this stuff I have to do, design my own logo, come up with my own business cards, yeah. make everything myself. Yeah, and then also,
0: I think, prioritizing, right? Like getting clients, doing admin, and then doing client work. It's just, yeah, cold it's cold calling, cold calling everything. I do, like, I do
1: 20 cold calls a day, five days a yeah. week. Uh, that's part of my regimen right now. Because I am still new and I and I'm still trying to build a client yep. base, so I'm out there knocking on doors um, five days a week, um, talking to managers and dispensary owners, and you know and learning more than I didn't know before. Yep. When i a manager in a dispensary, and it's really interesting to have a different perspective because I always had the perspective of the manager looking out at the people coming in, and now I'm in the opposite <laughs> position coming in and talking to managers. Yeah. So it's, it's 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 actually a real treat for me. Um, to go and cold call and, and, and talk with the owners and managers. Yeah,
0: no, I think it's awesome. I And I read this quote really recently, and it was like only an entrepreneur would leave like a 40-hour-a-week job to work 100 hours. And it's true, but I think there's something so rewarding, and I think this is what's the coolest thing about working in this industry is that everybody's super passionate. Everybody that's, you know, doing something really wants to make a difference, and they don't mind working that amount. I mean –
1: no, especially if you love what exactly you do. I love what I do. I love being in this industry. It's I feel so blessed and I feel like I've such an amazing opportunity at my fingertips every day that you no, know, why wouldn't I want to give myself, you know, to to my business twenty four seven and grow my business to be the best that I can be so I can be the best that I can Yeah, be.
0: no, I agree. Okay, last question. I always like to ask, like, what do you think the industry is gonna be like? And you know, as fast as this industry goes, they're like cannabis dog years. You don't want to be like five years because who knows? But 2016 is going to be such a big year because of all the initiatives that are happening. What do you think? What's your prediction? On what's happening in 2017? Like, do you like what do you think the landscape will be?
1: Oh, I think the landscape's going to change quite a bit, especially if California does legalize. Um, And then you also have, I think Oregon's going to get ready to implement metrics. So things are going to change a lot on the Oregon side as well. Uh, They're going to be facing what we faced back in like 2013 when metric first came to our state and we had to learn it. And there was a lot of um, a lot of hurdles and a lot of learning and falling off the horse and getting back up on the horse experiences I just think 2017 is I, um, it, it's so hard to tell it's right? so it's so hard to predict right now honestly because we have a presidential election coming I don't know where it's gonna go either way and I don't I don't um, ever really talk about politics but at least in this case it's
0: a deciding it's a factor, factor
1: yeah. Situation. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Like, what if the DEA reschedules or deschedules? I mean, so yeah. many things can affect the changes that the way that this is going to go. So for me, I just tell people to buckle up and put your seatbelt on and get ready for the ride. <laughs> No,
0: that's the perfect, I mean, that's the, the perfect answer. That's what you can only do. Jenny, thank you so much for, I think you really shed a lot of insight into this 30-minute podcast. I think that the listeners will understand a little bit about compliance and what they need to do to get started. And I just want to give a shout out to you and to your firm, uh, ICS Consulting. What does the ICS stand for, by the way?
1: Oh, Industry Compliance Solutions. Oh,
0: there you go. So Industry Compliance Solutions with Jenny. She serves clients not just in Colorado. She She's, I think, helping a client right now in uh, California, And she knows metric and metric is the seed to sale tracking for Oregon, Alaska and Colorado. And maybe it will be for um, California as well. So um, please check out her website if you haven't already. Again, it's ICS consulting com, and her name is Jenny Germano and Jenny, thank you so much for being part of this show. Oh, thank
1: you. I appreciate it.
0: All right, guys. I hope you learned some stuff from Jenny. What she was talking about is so important. Compliance is the theme. I mean, I'm doing a presentation pretty soon, and one of the slides is if you're if you're in compliance, you're in cannabis. I mean, they go hand in hand. And just to let you know, some common compliance violations that Colorado uh, and Washington, and I'm assuming Oregon, pretty soon, you know, report. It's pesticides. It's labeling. Even waste disposal. If your security and security surveillance isn't you know provided to them or in the right way, uh, that's non-compliance. Also, if you make any modifications to your premises, if you sell to minors, if you're a dispensary, um, they definitely do little checks on that. And then record keeping. I mean, that's a huge thing. Misreporting sales, seed sale tracking. And that is really a whole nother episode that you can learn a lot about uh, is the actual financial noncompliance. And just uh, some facts and figures about what, you know, how serious this is to the regulatory bodies. Colorado in 2015 collected over $700,000 from related fines, you know, and and those fines range from anywhere from like $2,500 to I think the most expensive fine was about $25,000, Uh, So just to let you know, compliance is definitely a serious thing. And I hope you took some valuable pieces of information uh, from this podcast. We'll definitely put them in the show notes on CaloGio.com too. And again, I invite you to check out who is in compliance beyond Jenny uh, on CaloGio.com. There's there's a plethora of information, of knowledge and resources available to all of you guys. Uh, So you definitely don't need to feel alone in tackling the beast of compliance. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't already, head on over to calageo.com to connect with me and meet other business leaders in the cannabis community. Add the Cannabis Business Minds podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and check back frequently because we're going to be trying to put these podcasts out on a weekly basis. And if you really want to, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And our handle is at the Calogia. And Calogia, just in case you don't know, is spelled K-A-L-O-G-I-A. Thank you and have a great day.